Welcome to the Populous Perspective. I'm Tomas Wright Katz. Let's get into the news. First, two major figures of the alt-right were elected leaders of their representative nations. First, we have Argentinian Javier Millet, who has called for revoking abortion rights and eliminating Argentinian currency. And second, we have Dutch Gert Wilders, who has called for taxing women who wear hijabs and called Vladimir Putin terrible dictator. He referred to him as a quote-unquote true patriot. The question is, why have these extremists succeeded like they have? And how does it connect to Trumpism? Let's dive in. First, after Trump's election in 2016, we saw neo-fascists from all over the world grabbing power using similar rhetoric. Now, this isn't unusual. We've seen uh, politicians from generations and generations past in various countries try and use similar strategies to American leaders, and we've seen that uh, effectively work time and time again. We've seen Brian Mul Mulroney and Margaret Thatcher latch on to the rise of Ronald Reagan. Thatcher was elected in 79, and Reagan was, like, was elected in 80, but both sort of generated from the same ideological niche. We saw after Bill Clinton's election in 1992, neoliberals in many, many countries, including uh, as previously stated, Canada and the UK, where we saw Mulroney and Thatcher replaced by figures such as Jean uh, Chetien and Tony Blair. And we saw that again and again during the neoconservative movement in the early 2000s. After the, the election of George W. Bush, we saw Stephen Harper in Canada, we saw Nicolas Sarkozy in France. And now we have Trumpian figures who are getting elected because of the force of Trump in the United States. And we saw that while Trump was president, we saw people like Boris Johnson in the UK, who's on the, the, the more moderate side, all the way to people like Jared Bolsonaro, who encompass the most extreme tendencies of Trumpism. And honestly, I don't think it's a stretch to call people like Bolsonaro neo-fascists because they are people who prioritize themselves over the rule of law and prioritize their policies over basic decency, aka admitting when you've lost an election and not trying to get the people to overturn that election. But we saw that almost work for Trump. So now we're seeing Trumpian figures try and go after that same sort of strategy. And when we look at people like Millet and Wilders and the previously mentioned uh, Trumpian-esque figures who were elected in their own countries, we have to wonder, A, how long is this going to last? Because the neoliberal rise of the, two, of the 1990s was very short-lived when it came Y2K, neoconservatism spread to all corners of the West, the, the, the global North, as it were. And now we have Trumpism apparently outliving Trump himself in that we have not seen 
very many people elected under the sort of progressive-ish Biden-type policy. Instead, we've seen more conservatives and honestly even calling these people, like re referring to these people in the same vein as people like Stephen Harbour and George W. Bush is honestly kind of crazy considering that they were politicians with terrible ideas and in Bush's case, you know, war criminals, but not people who tried to overturn elections that they lost and not people who tried to destroy democracy itself. And even putting them in the same vein is kind of crazy, but here we are. So when you see these types of conservatives, these state-focused, very uh, sort of on-brand Trump energy, and when you see people who go out of their way to not only embody his characteristics, but also try and embody the tones of his message, the, zeo, the, the xenophobic tones of his message, you have to wonder, why is this succeeding so much more worldwide than it was even under Trump's presidency himself? People like Boris Johnson have been kicked out. People like Bolsonaro have been kicked out and have been re replaced with socialists like uh, the current president of uh, Brazil, Lula. And now we're faced with this conundrum of if Trumpism is going to live longer than Trump himself, how do we deal with it in the upcoming years to decades, however long this lasts. And that's going to be a real hard thing to figure out because to some degree, while they are completely wrong on all policy measures, there's one thing that unites these kinds of autocrats. And that's that they appeal to the people while lying about everything, yet the core of their message is something that people really value. When Donald Trump said drain the swamp, he never meant to drain the swamp, but he said it so that people would hear the undertones, the idea that I'm going to value you as a person. And this is something that many liberals have just kind of forgotten about. They've decided to prioritize money, and they've decided to prioritize capitalism at its most extreme form over trying to get actual real people to support them. You know, a lot of people made fun of Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan when they were running for president in 2012, saying that corporations are people. Well, liberals aren't much better than that. And there's this idea among many, many people that the sort of current ethos of liberalism isn't something that actually supports real working 
blue-collar people. And that has to change for multiple reasons. One, because that is the key in this modern day and age to getting elected. If you act like you're prioritizing people, people will naturally vote for you. And then when you compare the actual policies, you'll see that as a result, you'll get to enact all those great policies that will make your ex country and the world better. But number two, by seeming to support the people, you may actually end up inadvertently supporting the people. There are many, many policies that Franklin Roosevelt enacted in the 1930s. Now, prior to running for president, Roosevelt was by no means a transformative figure in the eyes of the people. He was a Roosevelt. He, was, he came from a wealthy family, and he was a Wilsonian in the late 1910s, and he was somebody who sort of gravitating to the messaging act of the New Deal at first. But what that led to was these, act, these, these radical policies that helped people all across the country recover from the New Deal. And now he's one of America's greatest presidents. To some degree, we've forgotten how to do that. We've forgotten how to enact these kinds of policies. And it doesn't take someone who's lived it. It doesn't take someone who knows the struggle personally. It just takes someone who's willing to do it. Someone who can get into power and get these laws passed. passed. And it takes someone who really cares about people. And that's the problem with people like Millet and Wilders. They pretend to care about the people, but they only care about themselves. Yet they keep winning because in the eyes of the people, they would rather support someone who feigns enthusiasm for them over someone who doesn't even try. That's the alt-right in Argentina and the Netherlands. Next, George Santos has been accused of using campaign contributions to pay for personal expenses. This follows many other scandals, revealing that Santos lied about virtually his entire life while campaigning. When Santos was selected to the House of Representatives in 2022, barely anyone knew who he was. That took about a couple weeks to change, because soon we started seeing op-eds everywhere, exposing him for every single thing he claimed to have done in his life. Turns out, all of it was a lie. And he's been lying ever since he started this journey to the U.S. House. It's clear that Santos is thus a compulsive liar and a charlatan who cares more about himself than his constituents. And we've seen Santos using this money that was not rightfully his in, in, in that it was not his to use personally. These campaign contributions have been used for Botox, 
OnlyFans and, casino, and casinos. And let me just quickly say, as someone pretending to be even like remotely conservative, Botox OnlyFans and casinos is like the absolute worst image possible for how you could spend your money. Conservatives go after platforms like OnlyFans every single day, and yet here we go, George Santos using campaign contributions, not for his campaign, but for Botox, OnlyFans, and casinos. This is highly illegal, by the way. This, 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 this breaks numerous, like, this, the, the idea behind campaign finance law is literally to stop this. This, he breaks not just the laws themselves, but even the idea behind the law. All of campaign finance law is broken by this. This is what campaign finance law is for, out the window. It also violates the intended purpose of the money and the trust of his district. Of his district. When people voted, when people donated and voted for George Santos, they wanted their support to be used for his campaign. Now, I don't know why someone would donate their actual money to someone like George Santos, but apparently people exist who want to give their money to figures like George Santos. And from that perspective, they didn't want their money going to his personal expenses. They gave him money under the pretense that he would use it for his campaign, and he did not use it for his campaign. There we go, you know? Honestly, to some degree, I'm kind of surprised that it's taken this long to expo expose this fraudulent behavior, considering how quickly it took to expose Santos as a liar in every other respect. And this doesn't come as sh a shocking revelation at all. This lines up completely with the man that we've seen so far, and we are now at the point where his removal from Congress is imminent, most likely within the next week. So we have the health, the House, the House Ethics Committee, who, by the way, it's run by his own party. They have released their findings in a new scathing report, and now even George Santos himself says that he expects to be kicked out of Congress, which is a very, very fitting end to his train wreck. Uh, and I, there's not really much more to say here. George Santos is a liar, a manipulator, and I'm glad that finally the conservatives in this country are able to unite behind the progressives, and the, the progressives and the liberals on one thing, and that's that George Santos has to leave. There we go. Next, New York City Mayor Eric Adams has become involved in two major scandals threatening his entire administration. First, we have a major conflict of interest surrounding camp campaign contributions and a con connection to the Turkish government. And second, we have a sexual assault lawsuit Fire, filed under the recently expired New York Times, sorry, New York Adult Survivors Act. 
Um, there's an old joke that the mayor of New York City is always the least popular person in America, but this time it's pretty warranted. These are two giant accusations. So we're going to dive into each of these right now. Let's start with Turkey. Eric Adams has apparently been giving special treatment to the Turkish government in exchange for illegal contributions. Major, uh, wor ma major world governments are not allowed to give money to politicians in the United States. And if Eric Adams was trying to follow the, follow the law, he would have rejected this money. But as we've seen, Eric Adams has instead decided to take them up on the bet and give the Turks a new consulate in New York. Go figure. This is especially alarming, considering that Turkish President Erdogan is one of the world's worst dictators, most autocratic people running any major country anywhere. And the fact that the mayor of New York City, the largest city in this country, is doing stuff like this, it, it almost harkens back to like the, the old mafia days where the mayor of New York City would collude with the mafia and would you know, help the police turn a blind eye in exchange for a lot of money. How are we still here? It's 2023. The days of corruption at this scale are supposed to be over. But no. Eric Adams is just taking money left and right from places that he's not legally allowed to take them from. On top of this, we have the New York Adult Survivors Act that was signed by Governor Kathy Hochul being invoked for Mayor Adams by uh, a woman who claims that he assaulted her back in the 1990s. And this came just before the law's expiration, which was uh, just this past Friday, I think. And this is, of course, going to get investigated by um, the, uh, the 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 um, court of law in this case. But what we now have are two career-ending scandals, is what these really are. Career-ending on the same man all at once. Now you might think, there we go, take it, like, goodbye. No, Eric Adams still has years and years and years left in his position because the, the position of mayor of New York City has these impossibly long term limits. And the fact that We've now exposed him here and now, but we can't do anything about it unless he so chooses to leave. It's preposterous. This is a, a major position in this country. 
It's, it's a mayor, sure, but it's the mayor of the largest city. When people think of America, they think of New York City. And here's the mayor of New York City. Corrupt mayor committing sexual assault. It's disgusting. And there, there has to be a better way to deal with people like Eric Adams. And hopefully there'll be some law that's accessible to do this. And we'll have more on that 100% if anything comes from that. But for now, we're just going to have to wait and see. Finally, Finland has announced they're closing their borders with Russia in the wake of an immigration surge. Since the start of the Russo-Ukrainian war in 2022, we've seen Russia and Finland not being on the best of terms. Finland joined NATO recently, and this is something that would have been unthinkable 30 years ago when Finland and Russia were much closer uh, at the end of the Cold War. And this controversial decision will leave asylum seekers in limbo under Putin's unforgiving regime. Now, I do want to give just the tiniest bit of credit here and say that these aren't Russians trying to escape from Russia. These are people from Yemen, Kenya, and Pakistan who tried to immigrate into Russia, but are instead being forced into Finland as a kind of attack on them in a way. They're, they're, the, the, the Russian government is trying to send their immigrants into Finland so that they don't have to deal with them. Kind of reminds me a little bit of how certain governors in Florida and Texas are sending their immigrants into right, right over here in Massachusetts and New York. And they're real proud of themselves while they're doing it. But unlike here, where it's just kind of a bit of a, a nuisance that we have to deal with over there, this is a major, major problem for the Finnish government. And so they, they don't really have any real choice except to close off this border. Although it is kind of sad that now all of these people are going to have to be subjected to presumably either living in Russia or they'll get deported back to their countries, which either one of those is terrible for those people. Uh, and this is kind of a no-win situation. Ideally, Finland would have the capacity to take care of all of these asylum seekers, but it's a very large number coming in all at once. And, you know, this is the type of thing where you have to plan ahead of time. You have to have the infrastructure in place ahead of time in order to prepare for something like this. But since Finland's not prepared, there's not really much that can be done, sadly. But uh, yeah, that is the current debacle going on in Finland and Russia. Any more news about that, we'll have for you right here. Before we leave, just wanna quickly announce, I have a Patreon. Uh, if you've ever thought about do donating me money in exchange for the theoretical promise of extra content, which I, I, I will give you at some point, I promise. Head over there and uh, it's $2 a month. Very, very cheap. And uh, we'll have all sorts of extra content on there very, very soon. 
I'm Tomas Wright Katz. We'll see you in two weeks. Uh, that's it. Good night.